Welcome to Spotlights, the podcast for the domestic abuse sector. In this series, Safe Lives are shining a spotlight on people affected by domestic abuse who are also experiencing mental health problems. In this episode, I will talk with Jane and Natalie about Shared Lives, a scheme that offers support, care, and accommodation to vulnerable people, including those facing challenges around mental health. Welcome, Jane and Natalie. Jane, could you start by telling us a little bit about Shared Lives? Yes. Um, So Shared Lives is when um, a young person from the age of 16 or an adult who has care and support needs um, moves in with uh, an approved Shared Lives carer and lives with them and their family in the family home. the Shared Lives Care, as I said, is approved and the two people, the person with the support needs and the Shared Lives Carer, are carefully matched to ensure that they're compatible. And together they share family and community life. Um, there are over 14,000 people currently who are using Shared Lives across the whole of the UK. Sometimes they, uh, people live in uh, shared lives with their shared lives carer for um, a long time, which we call a long-term arrangement. And that can be for several years. The longest I've ever heard of was somebody who'd lived with their shared lives carer for 40 years. Um, Sometimes people live uh, with their shared lives carer just for a short spell, maybe because they need a break or some respite. So they might stay with their shared lives carer for a weekend or, two or three weeks and some people visit their shared lives care on a daily basis or 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 as part of a day support package Um, so they might go and see their carer once or twice a week um, something like that and why did shared lives plus feel the need to develop this model in the mental health sector and can you tell us what the needs were that you were trying to meet yeah, so firstly, just to say that Shared Lives Plus is the the national membership um, organisation for Shared Lives. And so we have members that are Shared Lives Schemes and Shared Lives Carers. And um, we provide lots of support, advice and guidance to people who provide the Shared Lives arrangements for the individuals with support needs. Um, so we often uh, send out documents that are guidance documents, um, policy statements. Um, We help people source um, insurances to ensure that they're safe in providing their shared lives arrangement. And we tend to be a voice for shared lives nationally with um, decision makers, policy makers and the government. Um, So as a national organisation, we recognise that shared lives, which traditionally had been mainly supporting people with learning disabilities, was actually um, diversifying to different groups of people. So people who were older people, uh, young people in transitions, um, parents with learning disabilities and their children, ex-offenders, people leaving hospital. But one of the main groups that Shared Lives was um, growing into was to support people with mental ill health. So um, over the last 
probably about five or six years, we've seen that type of support in shared lives increase by about 40%. So it's quite significant, really. So when an opportunity came up to have some, uh, to access some funding, which came from the Cabinet Office, um, we wanted to uh, use that money to um, develop and grow that type of support, the type of support that Shared Lives was offering to people with mental ill health. Um, and the reason for that, as I say, is because there was some natural growth, but also it was recognised that it was um, Shared Lives could offer an alternative accommodation-based type of support in the community, which people with mental ill health might not have had access to before, and maybe part of helping them to recover from um, a crisis, or maybe establish some continuity in them rediscovering their independence as their um, illness stabilised. Um, it also was part of um, a drive to look at how social action was important for people with mental ill health and how family carers could be supported in a different way um, other than having um, ac only having access to some of the traditional, more standard types of support that often are um, like residential settings for people to go for um, maybe respite or um, to be the form of independent living that they were accessing as they left their own uh, family home. So there's a kind of a, a few different reasons that sort of coalesced all together at the same time as Shared Lives was growing and developing in, in this field. And that's why we went for um, some money to um, boost that development and growth and um, have some guidance and um, good practice ways of working pegged down for people, shared life schemes to uh, meet the need that was obviously developing out there. So sort of in taking that opportunity, um, I'm sure it came with some of the challenges um, that often happen. So can you tell us about some of those challenges and how you managed to overcome them? Yes, so as I said, some shared life schemes were already providing support to people with mental ill health, but um, others weren't. They were interested in it. They could recognise the need. And also just to say at the time that we were um, particularly developing this, it was it was around the time that the five-year forward for mental health came out. So we'd got a new um, strategy in place, which was... Um, supporting and uh, innovation in providing um, help to people with mental ill health. So on the back of that, I think there was kind of a, a culture or a, a around that this made, made this possible. Having said that, Shared Lives um, isn't particularly well known. Even now, it's not very well known. And it certainly hasn't been to the mental health um, field. So I think probably the greatest challenge was getting shared lives known, being able to explain it and um, promoting it to um, the men mental health services, both locally and nationally, um, as well as to people who have experienced or have mental ill health. It's quite a difficult concept sometimes to get your head around. Um, so I think that was one of the main challenges was describing it and why it was accessible and useful to people with mental ill health as opposed to some of the very traditional um, services that are out there. I, I guess 
the other thing was then if if that came to be and there was an understanding locally it's kind of where does shared lives fit in the general scheme of how services are set up locally it's definitely a community service uh, you know being based in the community but um, how does it link with people leaving hospital or people who um, are in in their own home or are living with family who are in need of extra support so finding a, a way in if you like or how the um, how shared lives fitted into existing pathways um, for people with mental Ill health was another challenge and what seemed to work well with that was if um, there was a champion locally in the mental health sector who understood shared lives had perhaps seen it work well who could speak from the mental health sector or from a mental health perspective about shared lives to promote it and, and the understanding of it. Um, some of the, the other things, um, obviously shared lives is reliant on shared lives carers and these are people who give up their time and um, offer up their family home to support individuals. Um, so recruiting shared lives carers can be a challenge sometimes, uh, making sure that uh, there are enough carers there, because as I mentioned before, people are matched to carers, so not every carer would receive every individual referred. There's a, a process that lasts up to six months where people are put together and, and matched to make sure that um, that it's compatible and that they're going to get on when they live together and it's going to work. Um, so recruiting carers can be a bit of a challenge, uh, finding the right people, and particularly when we were looking specifically, or, and we we are doing more and more now, to look for carers to work with a particular group of people. Um, as I mentioned before, Shared Lives has tended to work traditionally with people with learning disabilities, which is what it's used to. Um, but recruiting carers who are going to work with people with mental ill health, for example, was slightly different. Um, so that presented a bit of a challenge, I think. Um, I think they were the main things, really, um, that we've discovered. And they tend to be ongoing things that um, we find in the sector. Sure. So what kind of outcomes have you seen? So um, we um, we saw that people um, were able to um, do things like reduce their medication so that people with mental ill health have perhaps been on um, medication to help them manage their symptoms and keep their lives stable. And so, but sometimes there are, side, there are side effects with those medications. And so what we found is people living in shared lives arrangements um, were able to review, if you like, or, you know, found that they could, with this extra support they got, uh, manage to reduce their medication. Um, so that was, was helpful to them. We found that people tended to um, present less to medical services, to NHS services, um, because of the support they were receiving. So they started to have less contact with their community psychiatric nurse, for example, 
because they were receiving other support, not only in the Shared Lives home, but because of other things they were accessing through the Shared Lives arrangement in the local community. We found that people were um, more likely to register with a GP and a dentist, so their general health and well-being improved. Um, some people who had um, chronic um, illnesses such as asthma, diabetes, heart disease, um, started to be able to manage those things a bit better. So people did things like lost weight, for example, which helped them manage like, their blood pressure. Um, so they were, uh, you know, maybe went to the dentist and had their teeth seen to, which they hadn't had them looked at for a number of years. So people's general health and well-being improved. Um, there, there was less um, crisis. Um, so people didn't tend to hit a point of crisis. Um, they found that living in the shared lives home, they were made, if they were starting to notice signs that their mental health was deteriorating, and that either them or the, the shared lives carer, that could be managed. And um, within the shared lives support plan, there was contingencies put in place. So if somebody's mental health was deteriorating, they um, the shared lives carer or the person could call upon help and assistance um, earlier to help them manage so the individual didn't go into crisis. So we found that um, to be true as well. They were kind of the main things um, in terms of the individual and um, them feeling uh, better health-wise, I think. People got more involved with um, doing things. So generally we find this across shared lives. You know, they started to use public transport and uh, groups would get out a bit more than they had done before. They took part in, fam in family life and the running of the family home. So it could simply be something like keeping their own room clean and tidy, doing their own washing and ironing, making their own meals. Um, so those kind of everyday things that we sometimes take for granted that can be difficult when you've got mental ill health. Um, people were able to experience those things with the support of shared, the Shared Lives Carer. Um, and also making uh, new friends and new connections by virtue of being in a Shared Lives home, they were exposed to other family members, friends that, of the uh, Shared Lives Carer as well. Making new relationships um, was also something that um, we do see, as I say, generally in shared lives, but people noticed. Um, and where family carers were involved, so where people um, were going to shared lives for respite or for day support, family carers were able to see the advantage of that for the individual, but also for themselves. So some family carers who hadn't had opportunity to do things themselves uh, and pursue their own interests, I guess, and um, things that they wanted to do, were able to do that as a consequence of the person being supported in shared lives on either a short-term or a day support basis. And that then was recognised as being helpful for their mental health as well. So they were some of the further reaching outcomes that we discovered. So I think it's interesting is that the shared lives model not only impacts 
the individual um, that's accessing the support. But you can see that there's a knock on impact for potential, you know, family carers, but also a societal impact um, in the reduction of um, use of crisis services and um, general sort of well-being. Um, so moving to Natalie, you're currently working on developing the shared lives model um, for domestic abuse survivors. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so since January this year, I've been working with three pilot schemes um, to see if this model of individually matching people with a shared lives carer can meet the needs of domestic abuse survivors. And we know that housing is a massive issue uh, for domestic abuse survivors, whether that's being helped to stay safe in their own home or fleeing to a refuge or trying to move on um, to any other kind of safe accommodation. And we want to be able to give victims and survivors another option and believe that the shared lives model offers a a safe, uh, useful and cost effective option. And of course, it might not be suitable for everybody, but our survivor consultations certainly tell us that it'll be suitable for some people. Um, A lot of the feedback we had from survivors was that um, they'd had quite poor responses in the past to some of their housing issues and that this sort of offer where they could be supported and helped in a way that really met their individual needs, whilst also being given somewhere safe to live, would be really, really welcome. So you said there are three pilot areas. Um, so which areas are they in? So I'm working with the shared life schemes in Lewisham, Shropshire and Buckinghamshire. And the pilot will be running until March 2020. And I certainly hope at the end of that pilot, we'll be in a position to scale this up and share our learning across the rest of the UK. So sort of to summarise, you know, what are you hoping to achieve with adapting this model for domestic abuse survivors? So I think it's, it's not just about having a safe place to live. It's not just about the safe bricks and mortar. It's about being able to tailor support to an individual rather than a label so this isn't about seeing victims of domestic abuse as one homogenous group it's about really looking at what that individual person needs and then which shared lives carer can meet those needs and that might be anything from getting public transport doing a shop cooking um getting back into education or work, whatever that person needs, we hope to be able to match them with someone that can meet those needs. Um, And this year, Safe Lives carried out a piece of work to support our response to the domestic abuse bill called Every Story Matters. And one of those respondents said this, it has ruined my life. I no longer feel that I can be a fully functioning member of society. I don't have the confidence to go out with my friends. Meeting new people results in anxiety attacks. I've gained six stone in weight. I struggle with the debt I've been left with. And I feel I will never, ever be the person that I used to be. I feel alone. And that really struck me. Um, We had hundreds of responses to that piece of work. But that one quote has really stayed with me. And I really believe that the shared lives model can help somebody who is feeling like this, somebody whose confidence and self-esteem is through the floor, somebody who doesn't feel they're a fully functioning member of society. I mean, that's that's absolutely awful. 
and being able to build that person back up so they can be the person they used to be or indeed the person they want to be in the future would be amazing. And I think the shared lives carers ability to support, to empathize, to back off when they need to, to kind of intrude when they need to will result in some really, really great outcomes. Um, so ultimately about what we want to achieve, I want to be able to give victims more choice. Um, and this is about giving them one more option. And like I said, it won't be suitable for everybody, but it will be suitable for some people um, to help them become, as this person said, you know, a fully functioning member of society again when they're feeling that they're not. Thank you both for taking the time to talk with me. Your projects sound really interesting. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spotlights, the podcast for the domestic abuse sector. For more information about Shared Lives, visit sharedlivesplus.org.uk. And for more information about Safe Lives, visit safelives.org.uk.